0: Hello and welcome to Decolonising DMU podcast. This podcast looks at the work of the project that seeks to decolonise a university and also all the issues associated with the concept and notions of decolonising. Today, I'm focusing on the lack of black professors and the very low number of female professors in UK institutions. Data from the Higher Education Statistics Agency reveals that out of 21,000 professors in UK universities, just 140 identify as being black. Other minority groups do fare better. Asian professors, for example, account for 1,360 professors in total. But, and now this is a big but, male professors still continue to outnumber female professors. Just 5,700 women are employed as professors across UK universities. So I am super fortunate to be joined by two female professors at De Montfort University. Professor Bertha Oching is Professor of Integrated Health and Social Care. Professor Shushma Patel is a Pro Vice-Chancellor and Dean for the Faculty of Computing, Engineering and Media at DMU. And plus we have Izmini Vasilio, who's Associate Professor in Information Systems and who is also a member of the Women's Higher Education Network. So thank you all for joining me. I have to admit, I found the data from HISA a little depressing that in 2021, we're still having these conversations. But Bertha and Shushma, um, I wonder if I can come to you first. Could you tell me about your journeys, your individual journeys to becoming professors?
1: It, first of all, let me say that is an appalling statistic. And when we think, you know, uh, we celebrated 100 years of women getting the vote and we haven't even nudged that. Um, much forward beyond getting the vote. So that's a a terrible statistic. My journey in terms of getting to a professor wasn't an easy one. Um, First of all, I started out as um, two careers, started out in um, medical research and then transitioned into um, computing now. So as a professor of information systems, I moved from one discipline into another I, had, I was established in medical research and then moving into computing, I had to contribute to this new discipline and um, needed to validate my, um, myself as an individual, as a female, especially in computing, but also um, in a period where there were very few, if any, role models, very few if um, female professors, and certainly not um, at my previous institution, And for a long, long time, um, I have been the only female professor at that institution in computing, Um, and they don't have any more. The institution, very teaching focused, um, and there was very limited support within the organization or a community within, you know, for for whom I could look towards, to speak to, um, to use as a sounding board or, or to have as encouragement for me so that was very difficult in terms of that particular journey Um, and it was really challenging but I had um, good sponsors and that helped but it was a challenging journey Um, and um, equally in in our current institution and institutions nationally it's not a very good statistic at all. Thank you
0: for that Shishmo. It sounds like quite a lonely journey if I'm honest.
2: Bertha, um, what was your journey like? Yeah, th- thank you very much for that, uh, uh, Gavinda. Uh, my journey also, I actually started not as a traditional academic. I started, like most uh, academics, within health and social care, within the NHS, where I was working uh, as a clinician there, working with children and young people. And uh, uh, for about seven eight years before I made the transition into higher education, and uh, having worked now in academia for nearly 20 years what i've found quite startling is that during my journey as an academic from a lecturer to the position that i am now that similar to what shishma has said my gender as a woman seems to be very much at the forefront of it and what we have found is how the importance of the intersectionality of my ethnicity as a black woman my gender Uh, as a woman, as I've said, and the fact that I come from a diverse background, Uh, and what I have found throughout my journey, it is that normally it is my race that seems to position me first in a lot of decisions that are being made, as opposed to my own experience and expertise in my area of uh, of academic research. And uh, one of the things that has always helped me because institutions sometimes find it very difficult to challenge notions of experiences of discrimination amongst women, but will find it much more easier to acknowledge sexism. But what I found personally that has really propelled me during my journey is not just some of the links that I've made and the networking and support that I've received from other women and other women of color and other minority women, but it's also the passionate about the work and commitment that I have that at times has also anchored me. Now, when you look at those statistics that you've actually uh, highlighted at the beginning of the talk, I think you said about 140 uh, black women, there's even less when you start disaggregating them, You know, looking at them in terms of ethnicity. I believe when you start looking at black women, it's probably even about 30 across the board or even less because when I became a professor and joined EMU in 2017, there was probably just about 21 women of African descent who are professors across the whole of the UK. And that was less than 0.1% across the sector and it's quite startling really when you consider the number of black female students that we have at universities coming through and the fact that your race and your gender, and that intersectionality is what appears to be propelling you throughout your career within the academic environment.
0: Yes Bertha you're correct the 140 uh, professors who are black that's male and female so you're probably about right estimating that there's only somewhere between 20 to 30 uh, black female professors across the UK and and that's a really interesting point that you make as well that obviously in the university, particularly like De Montfort University, where our student body is becoming quite diverse. When you look to who's in the very senior roles, I don't think that's reflected back. And I think at De Montfort University, there is um, a sort of a level of uh, diversity and reflection at the lecturer and senior lecturer level. And that doesn't go through necessarily at the associate professor level as well. Um, and then obviously it drops off um, at the professor level. So obviously this is a problem. And obviously we know, we know that this is an issue at our university, but obviously it's worse than some other universities. What do you think universities can do to, to tackle this? Shishma,
1: would you like to go first? Thank you, Gurinder. Um, a lot. Universities can do a lot. I think you're correct in terms of um, the pipeline. You know, we, 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 have, we have the pipeline and the potential of a very good pipeline, but it seems to get blocked or leaks um, at a certain stage in a female's career. I think we need to have um, role models are really good. But I I always feel that role models are there at a distance, Um, they're there to aspire to, Um, you know, it means that there's someone like me there, but I think more important is sponsorship, you know, to go beyond that role model aspect and to be able to sponsor women, um, especially BAME or Black and Asian minority ethnic women, To progress to support them to see the value of our contribution not just in research and teaching and learning but in all aspects of university life to be honest you know within the professional services etc so I think it's really really important that we have that sponsorship the recognition that we have something to contribute um, and um, provide that sponsorship um, to us as individuals and that's really really important and that's benefited me hugely is the recognition that we can make a contribution. That's
0: great. Thank you, Shushma. Bertha, do you think there's anything that universities can do to tackle this problem?
2: I think there's quite, um, there is, yes, uh, quite a number of uh, areas that universities can be looking at, and I want to believe that universities have actually started this work given the the media that we've had in response to the Black Lives Matter, and in particular, the death of, of George Floyd, which has actually brought a lot of these things to the forefront of most institutions, if not all across the country. One of the things that I would suggest, and I'm taking this from my own background as public health, is going upstream in terms of looking at that particular pipeline that Shishma has spoken about, but not just at the lecturer and senior lecturer and associate lecturer uh, levels, but actually starting also with the experiences of black female students within universities. And that's what I mean by going upstream because once you start looking at those figures also in terms of degree qualifications and classifications of BAME female students, the gap is even greater once you start looking at it in terms of uh, the different ethnic groups that are there and also the gender. In fact, the latest figures that I looked at when I was looking at uh, Black female students, they comprise about 22 percent, if not more. And when you start looking at them in terms of Black female students of African descent, it's about 14 percent. But then when you start looking at how many of those students, in terms of their degree classification, they tend to have the highest when it comes to that third-class honours degree. So we need to go upstream and start finding out what is actually happening in the experiences of the Black Bain students, female students, from the time that they come to universities. And then at the staffing level, what we could do as an institution is looking at issues to do with our recruitment and promotion exercises. Greater thoughts need to be given to the possibility of unconscious bias. Universities have got tools uh, that exist to combat and to minimize this kind of racial bias. And they need to be used to facilitate that. There should be clear and concise monitoring in terms of selection and recruitment also processes. We should also consider who is applying for this post, who is being shortlisted, who is being given opportunities for uh, staff development activities, what data is being collected, Those are some of the areas that we could be looking at also. They should also be looking at different types of support. For instance, within DMU, we've got the BME Network, we've got the Black Academics Network, we've got different networks that are there in order to support students. But this also should also be taken into account and the development of much more formal support networks and not just mentorship itself should be taken. But also critically given the way in which universities operate we could also be building a business case for championing BAME women within the HEI that it actually makes not just an ethical and a moral and and social case but also a business case for championing having BAME women within those highest rank of promotion within university because they'll be bringing in a different sort of experience they'll be bringing in experiences not just from themselves as students but also within that port area so that you're not just listening to voices from one particular uh, ethnicity or one particular gender. So we should also be looking at that. Thank that's you.
0: A, that's a really interesting idea, Beth, for like sort of taking it from the point of students and then um, looking upwards um, and then sort of seeing how that translates. I want to bring Ismini in here. Um, so Izmini, you've obviously been working with Wen and you worked on the project within the first lockdown to look at the impacts on on female uh, workers across the universities. What did you find? So
3: that was a a very interesting study that we did and there's been many similar studies to date and it was interesting to see exactly the same output again. uh, What we tried to do was something quite different in terms of collecting data again and see the data again and al- analysing existing data, we tried to look into the future and start saying, well, what is, what is the list of recommendations? We, it was very clear. We had um, over a thousand responses for our survey and we had across all female uh, participants and a common feeling that especially the COVID pandemic uh, has caused a further disruption in their career progression. Um, We had lots of people who already uh, shared their views that they prioritise their partner's um, career and they come uh, secondary or uh, because they're single parents in many situations uh, they could also fall behind in their career because they had too much to juggle but it was very interesting that the data we collected, the outcome, it was no different to what we see in other similar studies or what the government data say. So we really need to start looking into those recommendations and that future, what we can actually do to change the landscape of uh, females and BAME, as this
0: podcast is about, um, in academia. So staying with you, Ismini, um, I think also like, whilst um, the, the lockdowns and the whole pandemic has brought to the fore that you know, staff have other responsibilities other than just the responsibility to work. Do you think that whilst there is perhaps a greater recognition that, you know, people are juggling children and things like that, and working, do you think this in the long term is gonna help female staff or do you reckon it will actually hinder female staff? I don't think things will improve
3: because we continue collecting data, analyzing existing data, recognizing the existing problem, and we still have white men creating those policies, uh, rather than putting that person who knows the situation, who knows the issues of the pipeline, who knows the issues they're facing, because they're juggling so many things, to contribute, to advise, and sometimes to lead those projects. I do think we need to start looking at the core, who is making those policies. Um, and we can find m- many examples You know, I'm, I'm not BAME, And we've got two professors in this school who have a very similar story to me on how I made it into academia, but they also have other parameters because they come from a different background. So they they are the ones who've got the understanding, the experience, and the question is, how do we bring this into the equation when we create new policies like flexible, uh, flexible working, for example? We cannot just leave the same people identifying, analyzing, and setting those
0: recommendations and strategies where they don't have that personal experience yeah no that does make sense and this is a question to all of you do you think though that in institutions and in a place like a university we you know we have to demonstrate that we are working above our tier to be considered for promotion do you think it's problematic that in academia often lot of the female staff are likely to have um, additional responsibilities within universities alongside their teaching and research. And I do wonder if that's balanced with some of their male counterparts.
3: Yeah, I, 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 truly, I truly agree with that. One colleague of mine, once said to me, that was years ago and he was a professor. So I went to him and I said, look, you know, I am quite ambitious. I wanna make it in academia. And he turned around and he said, you've got to make your own opportunities. Uh, no hint of collaboration, no hint of mentoring, no hint of guidance. Just go and make your own opportunities. And that phrase stayed with me for a number of years. And as I gained more and more experience in academia, that's exactly what women do. They just go and try to find opportunities because there's, there's so much stigma. or so, the unconscious bias, as Bertha mentioned earlier. Uh, there's so many wrong perceptions from men against women and how they try to keep them away from what is actually going on. And the way we set up the work, you know, you can have, for example, male colleagues who can write a paper on a weekend because they either have no childcare commitments or they don't participate in those childcare commitments as much as the mother could do. And that's what the the WEN study showed as well, that the females, you know, the the mothers were impacted more from COVID. So I I truly believe
0: that this is an ongoing issue, as you said, Corinda. Thank you, Ismini. I think what Ismini sort of highlighted, and I think Bertha and Shishma have alluded to this as well, is that, and I guess I just want everyone's opinion on this, do you think there are specific barriers that exist for for women, and especially for minority ethnic women, in getting ahead in in academia and making it to being a professor?
2: I think some of the things we've actually uh, touched on, and, and these you know, some of them that we spoke about in terms of the unconscious bias that exists within the institutions ourselves, uh, the racial discrimination that institutions, uh, most institutions across the country find very difficult to acknowledge, while at the same time, perhaps, you know, you find that when it comes to issues of sexism, those are much more easier to acknowledge and to address, rather than when it comes to issues of race discrimination the lack of staff opportunities that quite a number of BAME women also have complained about. In fact, there was a study that was done two years ago with uh, Nicola Rolock looking at uh, the experiences of Black female professors and uh, some of the discrimination and the bias that they've experienced in terms of their journey to the professorial Uh, And I think all these have got to be taken into account, it's not that there's a lack of expertise or lack of knowledge or skills, it's the fact that they are women, they are of a minority group that seems to be at the forefront of their experiences within academia. And those things need to be challenged, in particular some of the issues that I've been looking at, uh, and we spoke clearly about the monitoring of data and taking that uh, Now, when it comes to what this meeting was talking about, which I totally agree with, in terms of what the pandemic has done, it has exacerbated those differences and inequalities that we see amongst men and women, and also women of, uh, of a BAME background. We find that there's a study that was done last year that looked at even publications, and there's been a dip in the number of publications that women are putting forward, and specifically from BAME women also, and also access to funding, all that has got to be looked into. Because that's the way in which when you're uh, applying for promotion as a professor, those are some of the things that we'll be looking at in terms of your leadership, your publications, your ability to to attract funding. Thank you, Bertha, that's really useful. Shishman, was there anything you'd like to add to that?
1: No, I think both um, Bertha and Ismini have really articulated that very well and I agree it is about um, access to opportunities and it is the biases whether they're conscious um, or unconscious it is about biases and um, the pandemic has lent itself to highlighting that uh, to an extent So it's me and myself we're both associate professors and some of the people
0: who are listening um, might be you know senior lecturers or aspiring to get to to become professors themselves. But it feels to me like the path to becoming a professor is not that clearly defined um, and it does depend on where you work. And what's been particularly interesting is that both um, Bertha and Shishma, you both come from sort of a professional uh, background and then had a, a transition into academia. And then Ismini's alluded to that she's had a similar sort of background as well. And I myself have come to academia after having a career in another field as well. But I do wonder what advice you've got for some of the listeners on what they could try and do to sort of help or to to seek that help and support so that they can make it up in the ranks if they wish to become a professor.
1: The best advice I ever got was it was through um, a line manager of mine and um, always, always encouraged me to throw my hat in the ring there was never a case where he said no you know um, research shows that women will have a look at a job spec or or anything and say well maybe I can do 60 70 percent of that and then not apply whereas men it's it's the reverse and um, what I would say to anyone is throw that hat in the ring um, if at first you don't succeed you'll get good feedback and that's what you can work on but hopefully you will succeed the first time, but it's take the courage and just go for it.
0: That's great, thank you Shishma. Bertha, would you would you have any advice for any aspiring professors out there?
2: Yeah, ju- just to add to what uh, Shishma has, uh, has indicated and articulated quite well really. One of the things that I have found quite useful is um, making alliances and seeking those alliances within your institution yourself and also externally you know and those external alliances who can also support you in identifying those areas that you need to be focusing and other opportunities would really enhance your CV in terms of the professorship and uh, as I said before remaining very passionate and committed to your academic and professional endeavors because you will receive knocks but if you're you know, you remain focused. You're committed to it within your field. You know what's happening there. That is actually going to propel you. But also, lastly, something that I think is really important is taking care of your own well-being, health, and well-being. Because despite this, you know you're going to receive several uh, knocks along the way, and uh, which could be quite stressful and to your own mental health. So, therefore, having that self-care is really important in terms of taking care of yourself because issues of discrimination and uh, racism and marginalisation do have quite an impact, really, on any individual's mental well.
0: Thank you to Professors Shushma Patel and Bertha Oching and Izmini Vasilio for sharing your experiences and thoughts on why there are so few black and minority ethnic female professors across UK universities. If you have been inspired by this conversation and would like to learn more about the Race Equality Charter, and the Athena SWAN And If you've been inspired by this conversation and would like to learn more about the uh, Race Equality Charter and the Athena SWAN initiative to make progress at your universities, please do look at the episode information. And next time, to mark International Women's Day in March, Decolonising DMU's student ambassador, Sara Tahir, will facilitate a panel of BAME female students from Montford University to learn about their experience of studying during COVID-19 and what it's like to be a minority student at university. Thank you very much.